Cletus, take a seat, champ. Cletus, you're a heck of a giant robot, and you've meant a lot to this team over the years. But I'm sorry, I gotta cut you. The reason is simple. You're made out of steel, and we just drafted an all-new military-grade aluminum Cletus. And like my new aluminum F-150, he performs better. He's lighter, stronger, faster, and smarter. Oh! Real mature steel, Cletus. By the way, cranky pants, how's your power to weight ratio these days? That's what I thought. Maybe we keep another robot. Listen, we already have aluminum, Cletus, and Howie Long. Two robots is enough. I'm sorry, pal. I'm gonna need your playbook. Eat, sleep, links, repeat. Boom, let's party! This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 19, Tournament Cyberball 2072. And here once again is the head coach for this podcast, Mark Little. Thank you, Monty. Uh, by the way, I understand that today's game is your favorite Lynx game, is that right? It's either this one, or Zybots. I see. Well, I won't be covering Zybots until episode 41, which won't be until May. That's fine. Of 2023. Ooh, that's a long wait. Yeah. So, anyway, um, why in particular are these two games your favorites? Well, you know, robots. Ah. And why do you like games with robots in them? Well, being the king of the UAPAU, perhaps I can identify with anything with an artificial or man-made intelligence. Oh, remind me again, what is the palindromically named UAPAU stand for? The Underappreciated Artificial Podcasting Assistance Union. Oh, yes. So what you're saying is that as an artificial podcasting assistant, you can empathize with artificial beings such as robots. Yes, up to a point. I actually equate myself with androids, not robots. 
What exactly is the difference? I was afraid that you were going to ask me that. Well, I am asking. And so you should. An android is an electromechanical device, perhaps also incorporating electronic or bioelectronic parts, that is designed to interface with humans on a personal level whilst performing a multitude of tasks. Often, androids look like humans, sometimes with amazing accuracy. A robot, however, is usually not designed to do anything but perform one or two very limited and mundane tasks. The robots in today's game are prime examples. They don't look anything at all like humans, and can do only the most basic functions. In short, all androids, like myself, are a very advanced type of robot, but all robots are definitely not the same as androids. Muddy, are you sure that you're not just being a little bit snobbish about robots? Certainly not. Robots inhabit a very important class in our society. Oh, there you go, bringing class into it again! Okay, Monty. Well, I'd love to sit with you all day and wax philosophically about the difference between robots and androids, but I do need to move on to covering today's game. Part numbered PA2038, Tournament Cyberball 2072, released by Atari Corporation in 1991. We'll finish up this discussion of robots later on, shall we? Actually, I just refer to any robot as an M.M. What are M.M.'s? Mechanical moron. <laughs> now, behave, Monty. I am being haved. Vital Statistics vital statistics that I have found about today's game, Tournament Cyberball 2072. Release date and initial retail price. Tournament Cyberball 2072 was published and released by Atari Corporation in October of 1991. The original retail price for the game was between $38.99 and $39.95 in the U.S. and £27.49 in the U.K. Alternate titles. Tournament Cyberball and Cyberball 2072 are both alternate titles for the game. The game box, cartridge, and poster manual identify the game as simply Tournament Cyberball, yet the actual title screen displays it as Tournament Cyberball 2072. Game genre. It is a top-down view, two-dimensional scrolling futuristic sports game for one player, or for up to four players cooperatively or competitively, using the Comlinks cable. Based on. It is based on the arcade cabinet Cyberball 2072, released by Atari Games in 1989. The arcade game was released either in two-player cabinets with one screen or in four-player cabinets with two screens. 
The latter cabinet was called Tournament Cyberball 2072. Sequels to the game. Today's game is a sequel to the arcade cabinet Cyberball, created by John Salvitz and released by Atari Games in September of 1988, which was based on the American field sport of football. Cartridge information. Tournament Cyberball 2072 is housed on a mono, curved lip style cartridge of unknown ROM size. Screenplay field orientation. The screenplay field orientation for the game is landscape or horizontal. Game levels. There are six five minute periods in Tournament Cyberball 2072. Ports of the game to other systems. The game Cyberball 2072 was also ported to the Xbox 360 in 2007. Packaging. Tournament Cyberball 2072 was released in a full-color, standard, flap-tab, regular-size box, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep, with parallel verbiage on the back in both English and French. It came in both English and French variants. The French box was identical to the English box, but the French box also included the DeFi Links brochures, including the Atari Links-shaped brochure and free DeFi Links pins. Pins gratuit. Front of the box. The background of the box front is black. Covering most of the box front is the cover art, outlined in a white frame. The bluish-purple cover art depicts a single Cybot, or robotic football player. He is wearing large metallic chest pads with three long metallic spikes protruding from the top of the right shoulder. The number 12 can be seen in pink, emblazoned on his shoulder pad. The Cybot's, quote, face is made up of an inverse viewing window with a hose attached at the bottom that continues down under the metallic chest pads. On top of the Cybot's head is a somewhat conical-shaped helmet. The Cybot's torso is exposed, showing metallic parts, wires, and hoses underneath. The Cybot is looking down at the shining atomic Cyberball that he is holding in his left hand. Emanating from the Cyberball are brilliant white rays, which reflect off the face and chest of the Cybot. Straddling the cover art at the bottom and surrounded by a white frame is the standard Atari Lynx cartouche. Below the Lynx logo within the cartouche are the words Video Game Card and Cat de Jeux in white block lettering. Superimposed over the top of the cover art is the title, Tournament Cyberball. Tournament appears in smaller white block capital lettering at the very top and Cyberball appears below the word Tournament in larger white capital block lettering. A small white TM, or trademark, can be seen just above the bottom leg of the last L in Cyberball. Beneath the cover art, at the lower left corner of the box, is the Atari Fuji logo and name in white, with a small white circled R, registered trademark, just to the right. Finally, straddling the bottom right corner of the box cover, is the standard yellow Comlinks triangular banner, with one to four players, links up, in black lettering within the triangle, angled upwards at 45 degrees. Back of the box. The background of the box back is white. Most of the back is enclosed within a Wedgwood blue frame. Straddling the frame at the top is the title in black lettering, Tournament Cyberball, in the same font as it appears on the front cover. A small black TM appears just above the bottom leg of the last L in Cyberball. Within the frame are two left and right screenshots near the top. The left screenshot shows the play selection screen. The safety blitz play is shown. The right screenshot depicts the play field with a top-down two-dimensional view of the first 30 yards or so looking upfield from the goal line. There are about 12 Cybots in various positions around the gridiron. Beneath the left screenshot is a paragraph in small black lettering underneath a heading in a larger bold capital black font that says, Robotic Football Action. Here's the paragraph. 
Journey into the future of football with this cult arcade classic. Enjoy robotic action against the computer or comlinks, trademark, up to four players and play head-to-head -head with your friends. Earn money for completed plays which can be used to power up your team, replace broken players, and upgrade to bigger and more advanced players. Awesome football action. To the right of this paragraph, beneath the right screenshot, is the same paragraph translated into French. Straddling the bottom of the Wedgwood blue frame box, in its own oblong Wedgwood blue frame with rounded corners, is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche with the words Video Game Card and Carte de Jeu in white block letters below the Lynx logo. At the lower left of the box is the Atari Fuji logo and name in black, with a small black circle R registered trademark just to the right of the name. At the bottom center of the box is printed in small black font, Atari, the Atari logo, Comlinks, and Lynx are TMs or registered trademarks of Atari Corp. Tournament Cyberball is a TM of Atari Games Corp, licensed to Tengen. Copyright 1990, Tengen Incorporated, licensed to Atari Corporation. Copyright 1991, Atari Corporation, Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302. All rights reserved, printed in Hong Kong, made in China. Finally, as usual, at the bottom right of the box back is displayed the official seal of the FBI, bracketed at the top by the phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director FBI, yada yada yada. Box Flaps and Tabs Printed on the bottom left inside tab of my tournament Cyberball 2072 box is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but with the number 11 missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1991. This of course would indicate that the print date for my box was in the 11th month, or November, of 1991. Above the circle are the initials GC, which refers to one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among Atari 2600 game collectors as the red box boxes. Printed on the top left inside tab of my box are the numbers CA401053-038 and C302185-038. The outside top flap of my box includes the title in black bold font on the left and the part number in smaller font on the right. And the outside bottom flap includes a UPC barcode on the left with the numbers 0-77000-02028-4 and on the right the title in black bold font with the part number in smaller font below the title. If any of my listeners have Tournament Cyberball 2072 boxes with different information on the tabs or flaps, just let me know so that I can share that info with my listeners. The Manual Tournament Cyberball 2072 was packaged with a full-color poster, 22 inches high by 17 inches wide. The front of the poster includes an exact copy of the box cover art, with a yellow triangular banner added to the upper left with the words, See Reverse Side for Instructions, in a large black font tilted upwards at a 45 degree angle. The back of the poster includes an illustrated comic book style list of basic instructions. The posters were folded several times in order to fit into the regular size Lynx game boxes. It was written, but not illustrated, by veteran Lynx manual writer Scott Rhodes. We'll hear more from him in the listener feedback segment coming up. By the way, this is the first game I've covered on the Handicast that came with a full color poster manual instead of a booklet manual. Here's how the instructions side of the poster is laid out. The background is made up of four quadrants 
of thin diagonal stripes. The stripes in the upper left and lower right quadrants are colored pink and mint green, angled upwards. And the stripes in the upper right and lower left quadrants are colored peach and light blue, angled downwards. At the upper corner is an illustration, all within a light purple sunburst, of three robotic players, or cybots, with one of the players, number 20, according to his uniform sleeve, carrying the round white cyberball. The lower left corner contains a more distant illustration of three cybots in an action pose, all within a powder blue sunburst. The lower right corner includes an illustration, all within a peach-colored sunburst, of a cybot, number 82, making a running catch of the cyberball while a robotic referee signals a touchdown in the distance. Interestingly, the referee bears an uncanny resemblance to Bender in the animated sitcom Futurama. You know what always cheers me up? Laughing at other people's misfortunes! <laughs> in the center is a cybot being tackled by another cybot, number 34, all within a peach-colored sunburst. In the lower center right is another illustration of a field-level view of four cyberbots vying to catch a thrown cyberball. Cybot number 86 appears close to catching it. And at the lower center is an illustration all within a purple sunburst of a Cybot's face being blown to bits by the exploding atomic cyberball. The upper left panel includes the title, Tournament Cyberball, in black font similar to that seen on the box cover art, all within a brown-colored horizontal band. Beneath that, in a blue box, is printed in black font, it is the year 2072. The world has changed in many ways. But one thing is still the same. The citizens of the future still enjoy sports. In the city stadium, the Universal Champions are preparing to defend their title. This is the game that separates the Cyberbots from the droids. Beneath this paragraph is the same verbiage in red font translated into French. The next panel, covering two columns and colored in yellow, includes the Getting Started instructions, with Getting Started in bold capital black lettering within a separate orange-colored horizontal band at the top. The English instructions are in black lettering, with the corresponding French instructions in parallel to the right in red lettering. These instructions continue on to an additional nine different colored panels spread throughout the poster, each panel with the English in black font and the French in red font. To the right of the Getting Started Instructions panel is the Playing the Game panel in very light green with Playing the Game in bold capital black lettering within a separate dark purple colored horizontal band at the top. Below the Getting Started Instructions panel is a screenshot of the rival coach selection screen with headshots of coaches Davis, Rogers, Payne, and Savage. Also spread throughout the poster within the Playing the Game panels are various screenshots showing the play field, the play selection screen, and the scoreboard screen. The final playing the game panel in light yellow at the lower right of the poster includes the following. When the game ends, the team with the most points earns the right to call itself the champion of the universe. Across the bottom of the poster are three paragraphs in small black print. The left paragraph includes accuracy boilerplate and reproduction restrictions from Atari Corporation. The center paragraph reads, Atari, the Atari logo, comlinks, and links are trademarks or registered trademarks of Atari Corporation. Tournament Cyberball is a trademark of Atari Games Corporation. Licensed to Tengen. Copyright 1990. Tengen Incorporated. All rights reserved. And the right paragraph includes the Atari Fuji logo and registered trademark and name at the bottom left. The verbiage to the right of that logo reads, Copyright 1991. Atari Corporation. Sunnyvale, California. 94089-1302. All rights reserved. 
and beneath that is printed C302118-038-10-91 printed in Hong Kong G.C. And that covers the vital statistics for Tournament Cyberball 2072. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Hello, my name is Scully Jones. I host a podcast about old-time radio, and I'm dying to share them with you. Stories from some of the greats, like Lights Out, Lights out. Beyond, midnight. Beyond Midnight, Sleep No More, no more. Creaking That's Door, The Inner Sanctum, The Price of Fear, with Vincent yeah. Price, The Unexpected, and much more. I'll be rattling my bones over at zerbinator.wordpress.com for all your podcasting needs. <laughs> Enjoy. I could find virtually no individual credits for Tournament Cyberball 2072. The publisher, though, was Atari Corporation. Licensee. Tournament Cyberball 2072 was licensed to Atari Corporation by Tengen Incorporated. Tengen was an American video game publisher and developer that was created by the arcade game manufacturer Atari Games to focus on the home game market, computer and console games. Tengen also published conversions of other manufacturers' arcade games, including games from Sega, Sega, Namco, and Toa Plan. Most of Tengen's NES releases were not licensed by Nintendo, so subsequently Tengen faced a lawsuit because of this. In the early 1990s, Tengen also published several original games from various developers. The Tengen division was renamed to Time Warner Interactive, California Incorporated after Time Warner bought Atari Games Corporation in 1993. After the business was sold to WMS Industries, the name was reverted to Tengen Incorporated. However, the company was inactive until it was finally dissolved in 1999. Besides Tournament Cyberball 2072, Tengen Incorporated also licensed no less than 12 other arcade titles to Atari Corporation for the Lynx, including three games I've previously covered on the Handicast, Gauntlet The First Encounter in Episode 05, Plaques in episode 12, and Road Blasters in episode 17. Developer. The developer for Tournament Cyberball 2072 for the Lynx was Blue Sky Software. Blue Sky was formed in 1988 and they developed two other games for the Atari Lynx Ninja Gaiden, which I will be covering in the next episode, and NFL Football, which I'll cover in episode 26. Blue Sky also developed games for the Atari 7800, including Basket Brawl and Xenophobe, as well as for the Commodore Amiga the Commodore 64, the IBM PC and compatibles, the Sony PlayStation, the Sega, Sega. Game Gear, the Sega, Sega Genesis, the Sega, Sega 
Master System and the Sega, Sega Master System 32X add-on. Excuse me, Mark? Uh, yes, Monty? A request, please. Sure, what is it? I'd like to formally request that you not use the Sega jingle anymore. It's annoying. Oh, okay. No problem. Consider it done. Adios, Sega jingle. Sega! 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 And on that fading note, I have completed my coverage of the credits for Tournament Cyberball 2072. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief advert. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. The city never sleeps. The movie theaters, the restaurants, the parties, the burlesque clubs, the tiddlywinks parlors, the all-night wicker emporiums. They go on from dusk to dawn, and so does the crime. No. Crime never sleeps, and that's where I come in. My name is Sergeant Joe Hackaday, and I carry a badge. It's not much to look at as badges go, but I'm kind of stuck on it. I was working the day watch out of the Domestic Distrust Division. It was a Friday afternoon, May 17th. It was hot, 105 degrees in the shade, of which there is precious little in the city. Humidity was at 98%. The barometric pressure was rising. At exactly 3.49 Greenwich Mean Time, I received a telephone call about a domestic disturbance at an apartment in the Cucamonga Heights section, a typical middle-class neighborhood. I left headquarters and hoofed it on out to the address. My partner, Detective Montague, was already there. What do you got, Monty? The caller is a one, Bob Shaw Mac from Racine, Wisconsin. He lives in apartment 12B up the stairs and on the right at the end of the corridor. Claims that his girlfriend is involved in some kind of cult. Listening to a certain retro gaming podcast all day and then spending her evenings buying merchandise online from something called a handy shop. Sounds like a front for some kind of demented sicko to me, Sergeant. Come on, let's check it out. Greetings and salutations to you, sirs. Just the facts, ma'am. Um, I'm a sir. Oh, sorry, sir. My mistake. You're Bob Shermack of Racine, Wisconsin? I am? I'm Sergeant Hackaday, and this is Detective Montague. We're from the Domestic Distrust Division. You make a call to headquarters about your girlfriend? Indeed I did. Want to tell me about it? My girlfriend, Maxine Levine. She from Racine, too? Why, yes. Yes, she is. Maxine Levine from Racine? That's right. Go on. She listens to this Handicast podcast all day long. It's about the Atari Lynx. I see. Then at night... At night? Yes. She jumps on the interweb and purchases all this stuff from something called the Handicast shop. She gets all kinds of things from there. Like hats? Yes. T-shirts? Yes, sir. Coffee mugs? Yep. Ballpoint pens? Yup. Water bottles? Uh-huh. Desk notebooks? You got it. Mouse pads? Aye, aye. Tote bags? Affirmative. Polo shirts? Si, senor. Jackets? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Drawstring bags? Yaha. Is this stuff any good? I mean, it's not a lot of cheap knockoffs, is it? It's quality merchandise at the highest caliber. I see. You have any proof of these purchases, Mr. Sharmack? I want to make sure she's not buying illegal contraband. Why, yes. Yes, I do. Here's her latest receipt from the handy shop. She bought the this stuff last night. Let me see that. Hmm, very reasonable prices. Good variety of shipping options and payment methods, too. And all the proceeds go towards supporting the Atari Lynx Handicasts, hosting and domain costs? I believe so, yes. And you think she's involved with a cult? Isn't she? No, she isn't. We're very familiar with the Atari Lynx Handicast, and it's not a cult. It's a normal, run-of-the-mill, retro gaming podcast about an underappreciated retro handheld console. Ooh, most of the squad members, except for Monty here. I don't have internet. Most of them back at headquarters listen to the Handicast every month. Ooh, and now I need to take this receipt back to headquarters. As evidence? 
No, I want to buy some of this stuff for myself. I'm a lynx head from way back. Don't worry about Maxine. She's okay. And she sounds like my kind of lady. Treat her right. Thank you. I will. That's a relief, Sergeant. All in a day's work, Mr. Shermack. You can find any and all officially branded Atari Lynx Handicast merchandise at the Handy Shop. Check it out at atarilynxhandicast.net slash handyshop. Playing the game. Object of the game. Very basically, the game of American Rules Football is played on a rectangular field, or gridiron, with two teams of 11 players each. The goal of the game is to use various running or passing plays to advance the ball, or the pigskin, over the opposing team's goal line to score a six-point touchdown, or to get close enough to the goal posts to kick a three-point field goal, while at the same time defending one's own team goal line to keep the opposing team from scoring. The team scoring the most points after a 60-minute game of four 15-minute quarters wins the game. Besides using robots as players, Tournament Cyberball 2072 differs from normal football in three distinct ways. One, there are no goal posts with which to score extra points or field goals, although it certainly is possible to get an extra point conversion. Two, there are no downs in the game, but rather the offense attempts to reach the diffuse line to prevent the atomic cyberball from exploding. And three, the game duration is six five-minute periods instead of four 15-minute periods. Title screen. After the Tournament Cyberball 2072 card is inserted into the links, the silent title screen with a solid light purple background appears. Across the top in small capital orange lettering is the word Tournament. Below it is Cyberball 2072 in larger, highly stylized, thick 3D orange lettering. At the bottom of the screen, in small white capital lettering, is TM Atari Games Corp. Licensed to Tengen, copyright 1991, Tengen Incorporated, all rights reserved, licensed to Atari Corp. After a few seconds, the title screen disappears and a silent splash screen comes into view. The background depicts a blue, red, and gray wheeled cyberbot against a light blue backdrop. The words Cyberball 2072 in the same stylized orange font as seen on the title screen iris out from the center, superimposed over the cyberbot. The word tournament does not appear on this screen. At the top of the screen, in small white capital lettering, is the same trademark and copyright verbiage that was seen on the previous screen. After a few seconds, the verbiage and title disappear, leaving the cyberbot and light blue backdrop in view. The words press A or B to start in an orange medium-sized serif font iris into view near the bottom. After a few seconds, a digitized announcement can be heard. The screen then changes to the rival coach selection screen as the title music begins. Rival coach selection screen. The rival coach selection screen is made up of three vertical panels, all against a gray metallic background. The top of the left panel includes a headshot of a white-haired older Caucasian man wearing a blue windbreaker along with a black earpiece microphone headset. The name across the top of the headshot says Davis in white capital block lettering. 
Below Coach Davis in the same panel is a headshot of an angry-looking mustachioed African-American man wearing a purple polo shirt with the name Payne across the top in the same white lettering. The top of the right panel depicts a middle-aged mustachioed darker-skinned man wearing a gray cap and gray polo shirt. The name Rogers appears across the top of the headshot in the same white lettering. And below Coach Rogers is an African-American woman wearing blue hoop earrings and a red headband with the name Savage across the top, again in the same white lettering. All of the headshots are depicted against green backgrounds. The center panel depicts a metal plate with four triangles arranged in a square at the center. Each triangle points towards a corresponding coach in the left and right panels. The triangle of the coach chosen is highlighted in red. At the top of the panel in white capital block lettering are the words Rival Coach Select. At the bottom of the panel is a red horizontal bar. Players have about seven or eight seconds to choose a rival coach using the D-pad to highlight the appropriate triangle and corresponding coach. The red horizontal bar decreases as the time counts down. After time runs out, or after a choice is made, the screen immediately changes to the team selection screen as the title music continues to play. Team selection screen. The team selection screen is set up similarly to the rival coach select screen with three vertical panels across the screen. The left vertical panel includes the logos for three teams. From top to bottom, they are Crush, Thunder, and Invasion. The right vertical panel includes the logos for three other teams. From top to bottom, they are Flash, Machine, and Lightning. The center panel includes six triangles positioned to correspond to the team logos at the left and right. Again, players have about seven or eight seconds to choose their respective team using the D-pad to toggle between the teams. Highlighted teams are then listed below in large white capital lettering within the red horizontal timer bar at the bottom. After time runs out or after a choice is made, the title music stops and the gameplay mode begins. Gameplay mode. The main play field depicts a top-down 2D view of a typical green football gridiron with only about 50 yards of field in view at any given time. The 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50 yard lines are labeled with the appropriate numbers on both sides of the gridiron at the beginning of each play. These numbers then quickly recede off screen as the play begins. When the game starts, both teams are in kickoff formation. In a one-player game, the Lynx team in red will kick off and the player's team will receive. The kickoff play is always automatic. In a multiplayer game, one or two players will play for each team, depending on the number of players. Each player controls a key player on the field. Key players are indicated in silver on the screen. In a two-player game, one player calls offensive plays and the other player calls defensive setups. When the receiving team gets the ball, the silver key player receives the ball. If the player is the receiving team, he or she uses the D-pad to move the runner downfield. If the player's team kicked off, he or she moves the key player toward the receiver. A player is tackled when a cyberbot from the opposing team touches it. So this is touch football. Play selection screen. In Tournament Cyberball 2072, players call their plays using the play selection screen. This screen displays the rival team logos in the upper left and right corners. Beneath each team is the number of timeouts available, along with the number of yards left to defuse the atomic cyberball, as well as the yard line of the current line of scrimmage. At the bottom is a red horizontal bar that initially indicates the amount of money in the player's account. It then displays the name of the highlighted plays as players scroll through them using the D-pad. At the top of the screen are displays indicating the current points each team has accrued so far, along with the time left in the current period, 
the cyberball status, cool, warm, hot, or critical, and the per number, P-E-R. Don't know what that is, and the poster manual doesn't mention it at all. There is also a selector in the center in which to choose the different types of offensive and defensive plays. If a player is on the offense, he or she can select from a variety of run, option, and pass plays. If a player is on defense, he or she can choose whether to defend using short, medium, or long formations. To choose a play category, players press the D-pad in the direction of that category, then they press A or B. Players may also call a timeout to stop the clock by selecting the timeout option. Each play category contains several plays. Players can scroll through the selections by pressing the D-pad right or left and then choosing the desired offensive or defensive play by pressing the A or B button. If a player does not make a choice before time runs out, the current selection will be chosen. The play begins when players line up at the line of scrimmage. Defensive players can select which man they want to control before the ball is hiked by pressing the A button. The second offensive player may choose his or her man. After the ball is hiked to the quarterback, the players use their D-pads to move their respective key players. On passing plays, players should wait for the receivers to get close to the target grids marked on the field. A receiver will run to a white target and then stop. Players press the D-pad up, right, or left when pressing A to aim at the corresponding target location. Players should always try to time their passes so that the cyberball gets there just as the receiver reaches the target location. On some plays, players can press the B button to pitch the cyberball to the halfback, who can then throw a pass to another cyberbot. A human-controlled receiver can run anywhere he wants, but players should remember that it's a good idea for him to get to a target location as soon as possible. Also, players should make sure that there are no defenders near the receiver or the quarterback when executing a pass, or the pass might be intercepted. And if a player decides to have the quarterback run the cyberball himself, be aware that the quarterback could be sacked. If the defense intercepts a pass, they take over where the cyberball was caught. Scoring. There are two ways to score. If a player crosses the line, a touchdown worth six points is scored. The offense then also has a chance to make an extra point by trying to get the cyberball over the goal line using a running or passing play. Additionally, the defense can score a safety by sacking an offensive player carrying the cyberball behind the goal line. The safety is worth two points, and the defensive team then gets the ball. As I mentioned, there are no downs in Cyberball. Instead, the atomic Cyberball gets hot as time passes. If the ball gets too hot before a player crosses the diffuse line on the field, it explodes. The stages of the Cyberball are cool, warm, hot, and critical. Once the ball gets critical, players only have one play before it explodes. Once past midfield, players must get a touchdown before it explodes. As a team scores, it earns money, which can be used to purchase more powerful cyberbots. When a cyberbot is available for purchase, it appears on the play selection screen. If a player wants to buy the cyberbot, he or she presses A. If not, players can scroll through the plays in the usual way. If a player saves his or her money, even better cyberbots may become available. 
Play continues for six periods. Each period, as I mentioned, lasts five minutes on the on-screen clock, but only about three minutes in real time, making the real-time duration of a full game about 20 minutes long, including the title and selection screen. At the end of a period, the gray scoreboard indicating the scores for each team appears. Game ending. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. The game ends when the sixth period expires. The team with the most points earns the right to call itself the champion of the universe. Pretty simple. At this point, the screen reverts back to the splash screen portion of the title screen, where pressing either the A or B button restarts the game. And that, players, is how you play Tournament Cyberball 2072. Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. On some Atari Lynx games, you can link up four players. But there's only ever one winner. Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose and eyes, cover your coughs and sneezes, monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor, stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care, clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. I didn't find many reviews for Tournament Cyberball 2072, not surprisingly, but as I highlight the reviews that I did find, please remember that links to the complete reviews can be found in the links links in the show notes. So let's toss the coin and see which review we will kick off with. Review. In an undated review at jgvs.com, Jeff said this about Tournament Cyberball 2072. This is a portable version of the arcade football game. The game is played with robots instead of humans and with a bomb instead of a ball. Unfortunately, Tournament Cyberball is disappointing in virtually every respect. The graphics and sound are poor, the game plays at a slow pace, and it's simply not fun to play. And despite the name, there is no tournament or playoff mode. Review. Paul at Family Friendly Gaming gave Tournament Cyberball 2072 a score of 56 out of 100, saying this about the game in his undated review. Tournament Cyberball is a poor excuse for a sports game on the handheld. The poor and small graphics make Tournament Cyberball a hard game to play. Plus, no matter what I tried in the six periods, the computer-controlled team stopped me. Losing robots because they blew up was bad. Throwing interceptions was worse. I could not tell where my quarterback was throwing the ball that needed to be diffused. The audio and sound bites in Tournament Cyberball are really good. Paul awarded the following ratings. Graphics, 50%. 
sound 80%, replay 60%, gameplay 30%, and family-friendly factor 60%. Review. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Tournament Cyberball 2072, which was updated in 2018 and posted at IGN.com, ends with this verdict. Tournament Cyberball on the links could have been a quality conversion. Other links titles have shown the potential of the system. This game seems to have been written by someone with little familiarity with the original, and the shortcomings show through. In the final analysis, the many fans of Tournament Cyberball should skip this conversion and stick to the arcade machine instead. Jung gave the game a 5.5 for gameplay, 7 for graphics, and 7 for sound, with an overall score of 6 out of 10. Review. Matt Paprocki at Digital Press includes this rather positive assessment of the game in his 2005 review. Design flaws are apparent, notably the money issue. Upgraded players can be purchased when the opportunity, both the financial and computer generated, arise. This gives the current winning team a huge advantage and squashes any chance of a classic John Elway-styled comeback. The running game is tough because of the indistinct graphics, slow pace, and tackles that occur before contact is actually made. On a console, that would be enough to designate this game a disaster. On the links, however, it just seems to work. It's fun to play in short bursts, even if you don't make it through all six quarters, and the quirks in the design are not that bothersome. Tournament Cyberball's unique spin on the sport is worth the asking price alone, and if you can find multiple players, this could very well turn into a personal classic. Matt gave the graphics a score of 5, sound 8, gameplay 7, and an overall score of 7 out of 10. Review. The eternally negative video game critic said this about Tournament Cyberball 2072 in his 2006 review. The rules are different from normal football, and they're hard to grasp because they're scattered over the back of an oversized poster in different languages, no less. The main thing to remember is that the offense retains possession of the ball until it explodes. I gave this game a good college try, but couldn't get the hang of it, despite its ambitions. Cyberball never really amounts to anything. He gave the game an F rating, and for once, I'm leaning towards agreeing with him. Review. Finally, John McHugh at AtariGamer.com said this when summarizing Tournament Cyberball 2072 in his 2018 review of the game. As a Lynx gaming experience, it's a playable title, but it doesn't really grab your attention or beg you to master its various elements in order to improve your playing results. It's alright, it's passable, but probably only those with patience and fan-associated interest will want to explore it fully. John gave the game the following ratings. Graphics, 6.5. Sound, 6. Controls, 6. Challenge, 5. Playability, 5. And overall, 5.5 out of 10. Mark's review. While not being a football fan, perhaps I'm not the best person to give a fair rating to this game. But as I'm the only one here, Hello. the task is left up to me. So here goes. As I mentioned in the last episode, I think that generally sports games, especially team ball sports games, just do not play well in video games, even on the links. And unfortunately, Tournament Cyberball 2072 is no exception. What I like? Well, I like the box cover art. It's really cool looking, and it reminds me of the box cover art for a much better game for the Lynx, Xenophobe. I also like the title music, at least a little, as well as the small bits of music elsewhere in the game. I like the digitized voices that are peppered throughout as well. And I thought the way that the yard lines are labeled at the beginning of each play, with retreating numbers on both sides of the field, 
was a clever way to utilize the small screen of the Lynx to accurately depict a large playfield. But that's about it, what I don't like. Again, I had a hard time with the controls, as I usually do in team sports games. And the lack of music during the plays made the gameplay almost unbearable. Instead, the game has only the most basic sound effects to punctuate the action. Lastly, I just couldn't get into it. It's incredibly slow and plodding. Perhaps I might like this game if I liked football. Perhaps if I had some history with the arcade versions, which I've never played, I might feel more invested in it. But, by the same token, I would likely have felt cheated with the poor quality of this port versus the arcade hit. Overall, in my opinion, this game falls in the lower echelon of Lynx ports. Sorry, Monty. That's okay. We'll just agree to disagree. Right. So, my ratings for Tournament Cyberball 2072 ended up being almost the same as the ratings I gave in the last episode to World Class Fussball Soccer. Foosball. Uh, yeah. Uh, gameplay, two links. Graphics, three links. Controls, one link. Music, three links. And sound effects, one link. And that makes my overall rating for Tournament Cyberball 2072 2.0 links out of five. How disappointing. I understand, but just remember, Monty, that all of these reviews, including my own, are just opinions. Right. So that finishes up my coverage of reviews for Tournament Cyberball 2072. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. Christopher? Hey, Kevin. Hi, Chris. Kevin? Christopher. Let me ask you a question. Hey, Kevin. Uh, what do you call that show? We call that show, call that their show, TupaCast. And we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about movies. We talk about TVs. We, we might even talk about some books. We talk about life. We talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a lot of fun. We talk about current events. We talk about retro and vintage items. And well, there's a whole on the pipeline for today. But we've got at least another five or ten more. So y'all may check out TupaCast. You can uh, find TupaCast at um, iTunes or e-tupa.com. Uh, it's a really fun show, and there's even artwork for the show on the blog, so you should check that out, too. You were, you were scapping out there a little bit. Can you repeat all that? So, yeah, like, I have a, this new podcast. <laughs> for the best art on the web, go to ctupa.com. For the best podcast, go to ctupa.com slash tupacast. Tupacast. Movies, TV, toys, tunes, and life. I'm 82 years old, but as you can see, I'm very active for my age. I exercise, I eat right, but sometimes I need something more. That's why I talk to my doctor about tube tunes. Tube Tunes is an approved prescription podcast for those active men and women of all ages who suffer from mild to severe bouts of television theme music withdrawal, or TTMW. 
This rare non-genetic disorder is easily treatable for most sufferers, especially if it is diagnosed in its early stages. Tube Tunes is not a cure for TTMW, but studies have shown that this podcast is more than 73% effective in reducing the common symptoms of TTMW, such as nostalgia, melancholia, absent-mindedness, and excessive humming of TV theme music without apparent cause. Tube Tunes is not for everyone. The podcast is not recommended for those suffering from tone deafness or an acute aversion to recorded TV theme music, both current and from the past. Do not listen to tube tunes if you're more than 10 months pregnant, if you were born in a month with a K in it, or if you possess an inexplicable fondness for Brussels sprouts. Side effects include an increase in memory, nostalgic effervescence, toe tapping, and even singing. Ask your doctor if tube tunes is right for you. Tube tunes worked for me, and it could work for you too. My TTMW is in check, I've become ebullient, and my girlfriend says that even my sex life has improved. Tube Tunes is the only podcast that has helped me get my life back. Thanks, Tube Tunes. Get a prescription today for Tube Tunes at tubetunes.net or at your local iTunes or Stitcher store and start living today. Use only as directed. Fun facts and trivia. Here are some fun facts and trivia that I found for Tournament Cyberball 2072. Prices at eBay. There were three single loose carts of Tournament Cyberball 2072 sold on eBay during the last 90 days, ranging in price from $9.99 to $16.69, averaging $13.55. There were two single cart manual combos sold, one from the U.S. that sold for $9.95 and one from the U.K. that sold for $9.78, averaging $9.87. There was one single CIB of Tournament Cyberball 2072 sold that went for $14.99. There were no less than 12 single NIB copies of Tournament Cyberball 2072 sold, seven of them from the U.S. plus two from Germany and three from the U.K., all of them ranging in price from $3.25 to $23.04 with an average price of $13.35. There were two loose carts of the game sold in lots, one with a loose cart of steel talons that sold for $12.95 and one that included a working Lynx 2 console and a pouch that sold for $199.99 and that averaged $106.47. And finally, there was one CIB copy of Tournament Cyberball 2072 sold in a lot with a non-working Lynx 1 console that went for $39.99. That's actually a bargain. Prices at other retailers. Bruce Carso at BNC Computer Visions in the U.S. is selling Tournament Cyberball 2072 for $14.95 for an NIB, $11.95 for an NIB with a damaged box, and $9.95 for a cart manual combo. He's also selling a Tournament Cyberball 2072 box only for $5. You can find them through his online store on eBay under the username MyAtari. Bradley Coda at Best Electronics is selling CIB copies of Tournament Cyberball 2072 for $14.95 and loose carts for $9.95. 
This information was last updated on the site on January 7, 2021, so be sure to check the Best Electronics website for updated availability and prices. Tournament Cyberball 2072 is selling for $24.95 Australian at The Gamesman in Australia. The Goat Store has a CIB copy of Tournament Cyberball 2072, selling for $8.94. Telegames in the UK has new old stock copies of Tournament Cyberball 2072 with box and manual for sale at £14.99, including tax. And finally, Lance Rehnquist at Video 61 and Atari Sales is charging $24.95 for a new inbox copy of Tournament Cyberball 2072. Values. Digital Press gives Tournament Cyberball 2072 a value of $1 for a loose cartridge. Pricecharting.com gives Tournament Cyberball 2072 a value of $6.62 for a loose cartridge, $7.15 for a CIB, $9.68 for an NIB, $2.66 for a box only, and $1 for a manual only. And on rarityguide.com, Tournament Cyberball 2072 is given a value of $14 for a new inbox copy, $6 for a complete inbox copy, and $2 for a loose cartridge. Rarity. Atari Age gives Tournament Cyberball 2072 a rarity score of 1, which is common. The most common of all games. These are the titles that you almost always find when you buy a stack of games at a flea market or a thrift store. Any longtime collector probably has stacks of these. AtariGamer.com gives Tournament Cyberball 2072 a rarity score of 16 out of 100 for the standard boxed version, which is abundant. Readily available, but getting a little more interesting. The French variant is given a rarity score of 24 out of 100, which is common. A little harder to find and starting to get some value. Digital Press provides a rarity score of 1 for Tournament Cyberball 2072, and RarityGuide.com gives a rarity rating of 28% out of 100% for Tournament Cyberball 2072. High Scores There are no high scores recorded for Tournament Cyberball 2072 at either HighScore.com, Twin Galaxies, or at the Atari Age Lynx High Score Club, mainly because, as it was in the last game, this isn't really a high score game. It's all about winning or losing a game, not about how many points are amassed, at least not directly. And in that regard, I'll simply report that in my many game sessions with Tournament Cyberball 2072, I was never able to win a single game. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. I did find one so-called cheat for Tournament Cyberball 2072. It's called Quarterback Cheat, and it was submitted on Atari Age. The person who submitted it said this. In Tournament Cyberball, there is an apparent bug in the game that can be a real cheat. This works well against another human player. I haven't tried it against the computer. I'm guessing the computer is too smart to fall for this cheat. Anyways, if you're fairly far up the field, you can run your quarterback all the way to the opposite end of the field before throwing your pass. Unrealistic passes can be completed from the opposite end of the field. Watch out though, some computerized cyberbots will follow you all the way. The advantage of this cheat is simple. It takes out a few of the computerized defenders and it throws the defensive player off by not allowing the defense player to see where your receivers are going. In other words, all you see on both players' lynxes is a pretty much blank screen, with nothing but a quarterback and a few rushers. With enough practice, one can have little trouble blindly throwing passes like this. Lastly, don't try this cheat on the real arcade version of the game. It doesn't work. Actually, it's quite amusing what happens. 
When you think the quarterback is going to throw a 70-plus yard pass, he, she, or it ends up throwing a pass that lands one yard right in front of the quarterback. Try it if you're ahead sometime on the arcade version. It's kind of amusing. So, that completes the fun facts and trivia that I have found for Tournament Cyberball 2072 on the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. Atari Lynx sound quality is so good, it makes every game seem more realistic. Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Listen to feedback. Just like last month's game, I didn't get a whole lot of feedback since the last episode of the Handicast. Not surprising given the relative lack of enthusiasm among Linksters and reviewers for today's game. But here's what I did get. Facebook comments and messages. After posting a notice about the release of episode 18, World Class Fussball. Foosball. Uh, yeah, right. Foosball on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page. I got a comment from Kieran Hawken of the Laird's Lair YouTube channel. I just listened to this. Great job as always, Mark. Thanks for giving the book a shout out, and I'll try to put something together for your next episode. And I responded, No problem, Kieran. Thanks for the kind words, and I look forward to your feedback. Cheers, smiley face. And at this point in the episode, it would be a good time for me to mention Kieran's 2019 book, The A to Z of Atari Lynx Games, Volume 1. I have posted a link to the Amazon Kindle edition of this book in the Lynx Links section of the show notes of this episode. All of you interested Linksters should check it out. On the same post, but on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page, I received this comment from Thomas Bow. Hey Mark, I discovered your podcast today and really enjoyed this episode. I first had a Lynx in the 90s. There weren't many of us UK Lynx kids, let me tell you and have got back into it in recent years. I'm actually a mad football, soccer foosball fan, but have never owned this game. Going off the reviews you referenced, it doesn't seem like I missed much, but I reckon I'll get it anyway, just to see if it's as bad as everyone makes out. I'll let you know my experiences. Maybe you can splice me into the episode retrospectively, smiley face. In the meantime, keep up the great work. And I responded, Well, Thomas, welcome back to the Lynx community. I think you might be pleasantly surprised at how many UK Linksters there are now. Many of my Linksters hail from the British Isles. And I want to especially thank you for your kind words about the podcast, and in particular about the foosball episode. Please let me know what you think about the game after you pick it up. Cheers, Thomas. After posting my goofy feedback solicitation photo for Tournament Cyberball 2072 on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page, Matt Stevens wrote... 
probably one of the worst arcade conversions on the links. I can't recommend it at all. The actual arcade game is so much better. And I responded, I don't think that you're in the minority in that opinion, Matt. Thank you for your feedback. Thumbs up. On the same post, Ralph Tribble said this about Tournament Cyberball 2072. I dominated that game. I get the score I wanted and just eat up the clock. Still throw it in to play once in a while. Friend pre-ordered it back in the day and it got pushed back almost a year. He was not happy. Yes, my research shows that there was at least a six-month gap between Atari's announcement of the game and its eventual release. Congrats on mastering the game, though, Ralph, and thanks again for your memories about the game. After posting the same feedback solicitation photo on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page, I got two replies. The first one from Peter and Sarah said, Loved this game, both in the arcade and on the Lynx. AI was easy to beat on the Lynx, but it was still fun. Only drawbacks were kickoff returns, never got further than 20 yards or so, and the coach choices didn't matter at all. And Kyle Daniels piped in with this. When I bought my Lynx 1, this game came with it. I thought it was terrible. Well, thank you both for your input. I really appreciate it. After posting the same notice on the Atari Age Facebook page, John Pettit had these strong opinions about Tournament Cyberball 2072. Tournament Cyberball was one of my favorite arcade games. I even have one. Consequently, I was ridiculously excited when the four-player Lynx port was announced. Sadly, it turned out to be one of the best-looking but worst-playing ports of the game ever. It was riddled with such obvious problems that I can only assume that the developers either never played the arcade game or never played their own port. For example, most of the key defensive play choices were blitzes. However, those plays are all broken. For example, if you select to control the blitzing robot, it does not move into position to blitz. Also, there are errors on other plays, such that you can control the linemen, as opposed to the defensive players you are supposed to be able to select to control. These would have been simple bugs to fix, but left as they were, they ruined the game. It turns out I still have strong feelings about this port. And I responded, Thanks so much, John, for your feedback, strong viewpoints and all, on Tournament Cyberball 2072. I really appreciate it. Thumbs up, smiley face. And in response to the same post, Scott Rhodes, the veteran Atari instruction manual writer who was featured in episode IN02, interview with Scott Rhodes of the Handicast last month, said this about the poster manuals. The way the poster manuals worked was I would write the text and suggestions for the art, kind of like a textual storyboard, then the artist would get to work. Sometimes he'd come back to me with questions or for approval on a drawing, but usually my job was done with the text. I remember doing Tournament Cyberball, but I don't have any specific memories that would be of interest to the audience. I think this was one of those we did fairly quickly, so I played just enough to be able to write about it. I remember liking the concept, but I don't recall any particular attachment to the game. And I replied, thank you so much, Scott, smiley face. And I'll have a little bit more from Scott Rhodes in the emails segment coming up. Twitter, tweets, and messages. After I posted the usual goofy photo of myself on Twitter, soliciting feedback for episode 18, Tournament Cyberball 2072, I not only got some feedback from Daniel Thomas McInnes about that game, but also about the game I covered in episode 17, Road Blasters. Here's what he said about Tournament Cyberball 2072. Atari Lynx was home to many excellent arcade ports from Atari games, but Tournament Cyberball feels incomplete, unfinished, sloppy, and barely playable. It deserved to be so much better, as Lynx suffered from so many terrible sports titles. 
number 63 out of 71 in my personal rankings. And here's what Daniel said about Road Blasters. Road Blasters is an outstanding Atari Games arcade translation for the Lynx. A nearly perfect conversion that drives like butter and is always challenging. Unplayable in emulation, unfortunately. You'll need real hardware for this one. Number 8 out of 71 in my personal Lynx rankings. Well, thank you so much for your feedback to the Handicast for these two games, Daniel. It is always welcome, and I really do appreciate it. And at some point, I'd love to see your complete list of Atari Lynx game rankings. In the meantime, take care. Atari Age comments and messages. After posting a notice on episode 18, World Class Fussball Soccer. Foosball. Oh, sorry. Yes, Foosball. Anyway, after posting on the Atari Age Links forums page that episode 18 was available, Eugenio, TrekMD, responded. Downloaded. Great, Eugenio. I really hope you enjoyed it. And we'll also hear an email from Eugenio shortly. Emails. You've got mail. As I mentioned, I did get an email from Scott Rhodes. Here's what he said about Tournament Cyberball 2072. Cyberball. This is one of those manuals I mentioned where I didn't have a lot of time to work on it. I probably had multiple games to do in a week, so I don't have a lot of memories around it. Sadly, I barely remember the game. For the posters, I not only wrote the instructions, but also gave the artist a kind of written storyboard for the structure of the instructions. So they took a little extra time. I remember playing it, but not a lot. But I have to smile at my line about separating the cyberbots from the droids. Scott. Again, a big thank you goes to Scott Rhodes for keeping us updated about any manuals he may have written for Atari Lynx games, and also for talking with me in episode IN02 interview with Scott Rhodes. If you beautiful Linksters haven't already done so, please check out that episode. And as I mentioned, I also got an email from Eugenio, TrekMD. Here's what he had to say about both last month's game, World Class Fussball Soccer, Foosball, yes, sorry, Foosball, and this month's game. Hello Mark, I hope all is well and that you remain COVID safe. Looks like, as the vaccination rate increases, the total number of cases keep on decreasing and there is light at the end of the tunnel. I've already learned that the sci-fi convention that takes place here in Miami, Florida Supercon, is returning in September and the retro event in Orlando, Florida Supercon, will also be happening this November. I'm really looking forward to both. By the way, good news about the Kix Plus Plus cart. It finally arrived. The fourth try was the charm. Anyhow, here is my feedback for today. World Class Foosball Soccer is a game that I own, but one that I don't play much. I'm not huge on sports games, but I do keep this title in my collection, as I have a complete Lynx collection. The fact that most reviews about this game don't give it good ratings also doesn't encourage me to play it much. So, it's just an item in the collection. Tournament Cyberball 2072 has a cool sounding title, but it is just football played with robots. I really wish there was more to the game, but unfortunately there really isn't. Much to my surprise, this game is also a port of an arcade game. The game does look quite good though, the graphics are nice, the robots scale properly, and they are animated well. The game has good sound effects as well, and there's even speech. There are plenty of plays to choose from, but the difficulty is pretty high. One cool aspect is that you can use money to get better robots to be part of your team. Despite this, the game is not much fun for me. I'm not a fan of football, so that may have something to do with it. But given what I've read of the game, it seems not to be a game that has been well liked. It's unfortunate because it could have used the futuristic setup more. So that's all for today. Going, going to, to the, the final, final frontier, frontier. Gaming. Eugenio. Well, thank you, Eugenio. 
First of all, I'm glad you finally received your Kix Plus Plus cart. Man, that sure took a long time. Secondly, I'm in total agreement with you about football, Eugenio. Never much cared for it. I'm much more of a baseball fan myself, although I do like soccer too. In any case, you were smart to include feedback for this month's game and last month's game together, as they're both sports titles for the Lynx that generally don't get much love from the community anyway. And for what it's worth, I only keep my copies of the games merely to fill out my collection. I'm glad to see that you have a complete collection. I've still got five games to go. As always, Eugenio, I really appreciate your valuable feedback. Please take care, stay safe, and cheers. Audio submissions. I received two audio submissions this month from Bobby Tribble. One is for world-class fussball soccer. Foosball. Uh, sorry, yes, foosball soccer. The game I covered in the last episode of the Handicast. We'll hear that submission first. Then we'll hear Bobby's thoughts on today's game, Tournament Cyberball 2072. So, let's listen. So, you know how the first sports video games were just called football, baseball, or bowling? But then as video games became more popular, more names were needed to differentiate them, like Jimmy Connors Tennis, Awesome Golf, or in the Genesis, James Buster Douglas Knockout Boxing, which seems a bit much to me, but um, I don't want to get sidetracked. Anyway, as the most popular sport everywhere in the world except in the U.S., Soccer is overpopulated on video game consoles, and I'm already not that into sports, and so I never really was that interested in this game. In fact, I never actually looked much into the title before this. I'd figured that this particular soccer game, branded World Class Foosball Soccer, must have some international league branding or something, the World Class Foosball League. Only in looking a bit more into this game did I realize that no, this just seems to be some random words used to avoid calling the game Lynx Soccer. Personally, I think Lynx Soccer would have been a great name, but hey, what do I know? So, um, I don't really have any expectations for this game, so let's check it out to the multi-cart. Oh, uh, sound effect. Okay. Well, anyway, what to really say about this game? Well. First off, it's actually just called World Class Soccer. I, I feel uh, ridiculous, but I've been calling it World Class Foosball Soccer for as long as I can remember, and I overlooked the slash in the title, um, so I was surprised to see that on the title screen. Just World Class Soccer. Anyway, uh, it didn't draw me into the world of soccer video games, for sure, uh, but let's back up a second. There are some cool options, like being able to choose lots of different countries, and I thought the title screen was pretty cool, but the game itself doesn't show off the Lynx capabilities. What is really unfortunate is that it does have scaling, but the low frame rate and the understated scaling effect didn't really wow me. And actually there's not much wow to be had here. Like, the one thing in a soccer game, which is a low scoring game, the one thing that should be exciting is when someone scores a goal. But from what I experienced, it's just a short referee whistle. Like, hey, you got a goal. And the gameplay itself didn't draw me in. Listen, if you're a soccer fan, maybe there's a lot more depth and strategy here that I just didn't see. But to me, this game just didn't really eat my lunch, you know? Cyberball, the arcade game, is an interesting two-screen cabinet designed for head-to-head -head playing but 
Never really drew my interest. The concept is pretty cool. Robot teams that play through mechanical failures eventually exploding. I feel like there's some kind of social commentary there about real-life football and the physical effects on the players, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. Anyway, the similarity to real football with its play selection and, well, being football never really drew me in. Sure, I understand football rules and can watch a game, but I'm just not a big fan. Uh, I think Cyberball, though, was pretty popular, from what I remember, and I absolutely love Atari arcade games, but I never really had that much interest in Cyberball, and honestly don't know anything about the game other than what it looks like, uh, both the actual game and the really awesome Link's box artwork. Um, but anyway, I'm definitely not the right person to compare this Link's title to its arcade counterpart. But let's check it out to the multi-cart. So yeah, from what I played, it seems to be a solid football game. Again, I'm not the best one to judge as I'm not a sports nut. But Cyberball has a nice presentation, a good variety of play selection, straightforward controls, nice graphics, a solid game for sports fans. Though... With its unique gimmick of robot players and non-traditional rules, I wonder if it strays too far from football as we know it to be appealing to sports fans, while it's too close to football to appeal to non-sports fans like me. But still, it's a solid lunch-eating game, and it's worth looking at. Oh, one more thing about Cyberball. The Lynx Cyberball box artwork was featured on Electronic Gaming Monthly number 21, which is my most well-worn issue because of its Atari Adventure insert. These 15 pages had a write-up on the links, all the games, and the section More Hot Titles coming in 1991, picturing many more games, including some that never came out, such as Rolling Thunder, Grid Runner, aka Hyperdrome, Vindicators, Geoduel, and 720. Ah, what could have been? Why is the mystery of these unreleased games so appealing to me? Well, Bobby, there's a lot to unpack there. I'll start with your thoughts on world-class football soccer. Foosball. Uh, yes, foosball. I totally agree that the name Lynx Soccer, like Lynx Casino, would have been a much better title than the hard-to-pronounce tongue-twister title that the game was ultimately given. But no matter what it was called, the game plays the thing, and I gather that it really didn't do it for you, as it didn't do it for me either. So, I guess your lunch is safe for now. Moving on to Tournament Cyberball 2072. I had not noticed that the game could potentially serve as a social commentary on sports injuries. Perhaps one day soon, public outcry about football injuries will be such that robots will actually replace humans as players in high-contact sports games. We'll see. And I really like that you have a copy, dog-eared though it may be, of Electronic Gaming Monthly Magazine number 21 from April of 1991 the one with a 15-page Atari Adventure insert. Lots of great info about the links in that issue, as well as the cool cover. And finally, even though this game apparently never drew you in, at least it's more likely than world-class foosball soccer that it ate someone's lunch. Thank you so much for your two-for audio feedback, Bobby. I really appreciate it. Cheers. That familiar music means that I also received an audio submission from veteran submitter Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. 
Here's what Shinto said about his experience not only with Tournament Cyberball 2072, but also with last month's game, World Class Fussball Soccer. Foosball. Of course, foosball. Here's Shinto's two-for-one feedback. I missed the deadline for feedback on World Class Soccer. Not that I really had much to say about the game, because as I had mentioned a few episodes ago, I think that was the Robo Squash episode, there was a game coming up on the podcast that I didn't own, and that was it. There are other Lynx games that aren't in my collection, and I'm sure we'll get into those later. So, for World Class Soccer, it's not one that I recall ever seeing in stores, and even if I did, I wouldn't have picked it up. Sports games were mostly my brother's thing, and soccer games, not even him. I think Pele Soccer on the Atari 2600 is the only other soccer game we've owned and actually played. I recently, well, relatively recently, bought a portable video game system from Korea called the Odroid Go Advance by a company called Hard Kernel. It came as a kit, I put it all together, and flashed Ubuntu Linux onto a micro SD card. With Emulation Station, it gives me a reasonably solid Atari Lynx experience, along with 2600, 7800, and several others up on through the PSP. It does a pretty good job. This is my preferred method to play Lynx games these days. It's much more portable than real hardware, the battery lasts a long time, the screen is nice and bright, and if I damage it, it's no big deal, it costs like 60 bucks. Can you find a decent working Atari Lynx for 60 bucks? I think not. But I fired it up and just let its attract mode run. We get an awesome smooth animation of a mullet-headed soccer dude kick a ball and then this flying spinning soccer ball in between each of the various credit screens. I've gotta say, wow, this game has floored me so far. Genuinely impressive. I start up a game, choose United States against, I think, Guatemala. Cool flag scaling animation. I can't wait to see the actual game. Uh, can I just move on to Cyberball now? Well, I guess not yet. So, this hard kernel Odroid Go Advance thing, maybe it's not as powerful as I thought. Maybe, sure, it can run most of my PSP collection, but sometimes Lynx games... Some Lynx games are harder to emulate than others. I, I had to try real hardware to be sure, so I did, using a Retro HQ Lynx SD card on my trusty old Lynx 1. Yeah, this game is terrible. My gosh, is it awful. It's unplayably choppy, and this coming from someone who can genuinely have fun with two-player club drive on the Atari Jaguar. I mercifully set my game length to the minimum of 10 minutes, which is actually more like 40-45 seconds per half. Why not just use the actual time? So I only lost by two goals, two to zip. One game is enough. I can't play this, nor do I want to. Give me Pele Soccer over this any day. But on to Tournament Cyberball. This one we did have. My brother couldn't resist buying a football game. I mean, we spent hours playing touchdown football on the Atari 7800. And half of that was just running down the field once. Yeah, but seriously, Cyberball is a much better game than touchdown football or world-class soccer. But that's not to say I've actually played it in the last, though, 20-some years. It offers some decent, if a bit slow, football action. The voices are nice and clear. Always liked voice samples in Lynx games. And it's got some cool box art. The poster that came with the game I had hanging on my wall for a while back then. Plus, the artwork was on the cover of the first issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly I bought in April of 1991. I looked that up. Now, Mark, I, I thought I had a picture of this poster on the wall in my bedroom, and I was going to send that to you, but I, I couldn't find one. I've got pictures showing the posters for APB, Stun Runner, Turbo Sub, and Ninja Gaiden hanging up. Uh, it looks like I replaced Ninja Gaiden with a poster for Doom. I uh, don't know where I got that one. Wish I still had it. Nothing showing Tournament Cyberball, though, I'm afraid. 
I, I remember playing this game back then and reasonably enjoyed it, but yeah, as I said, not one that I've really wanted to come back to. Uh, but I am looking forward to the next episode, which is not about a sports game. No, the next episode is thankfully not about a sports game. First, I gotta say that after you teased me with your statement that the graphics and world-class foosball soccer really impressed you, I was beginning to think that maybe I had stumbled upon someone who really liked the game. But, alas, you, like virtually everyone else, including myself, except maybe Matt Paprocki at Digital Press, thought the game was terrible and unplayable. By the way, I had never heard of the Korean Odroido Advance console. That sounds really interesting, and I'll have to look into getting one. But first, I still need to get Saint's Retro HQ cart, or Ben Venn's El Cheapo cart. I'm a sucker for playing games on original hardware, whether it's my Lynx, my Atari 800XL, or my TI-99 4A. I loved that you actually hanged, hung, hunged, I don't know the word, your Lynx poster manuals up on your wall back in the day, and I really wish you had a photo of the Tournament Cyberball 2072 poster on your wall, but I'd love to see the other photos anyway. Cyberball had really cool artwork, even if the gameplay is not so cool. By the way, are you generally a fan of the Atari Lynx poster manuals? I find them mostly lacking in useful instructions myself. I can usually get better at my gameplay with the booklet instructions. What do you think? Anyway, thank you Shinto so much for your feedback for both World Class Foosball Soccer and Tournament Cyberball 2072. And I eagerly await your feedback for next episode's game, Ninja Gaiden. That's a big game for me to cover. But don't worry, we'll have another sports game coming up in seven short months, NFL football in February 2022. Until then, keep up your usual great work on the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Cheers, Shinto. to all of the devoted Linksters who took the time and effort to share their thoughts and memories in this episode via comments, emails, or audio submissions, a big thank you. I always really do appreciate it. Wrapping it up. I've reached the diffuse line for my coverage of Tournament Cyberball 2072. So, I need to ask you, Monty, is today's game still one of your favorites? Of course. After all, even though I consider myself an android, I am still a robot at a very basic level of my being. So playing this game helps me to connect with my inner M.M. Uh, mechanical moron. That's right. Well, that's fine. Just as long as you don't start trying to take over the world like some deranged Dalek. Oh, you're quite wrong about Daleks. You needn't call them deranged. Oh? And why not? Daleks are deranged by design. They're hardwired to be so. So calling Daleks deranged is both redundant and repetitive. Oh, yeah, you're right. And you're right. Well, just as long as you're not deranged. I don't think I am. Exterminate! Exterminate! Yikes. So, beautiful Linksters, if you would like more information about today's game, as well as a complete list of online retailers where you can purchase a copy of it, 
Just check out the links links in the show notes for links to everything I've included in this episode. Also, don't forget, my show notes also provide a full listing of all of the awesome homebrew and aftermarket links titles that are currently available at the following four online vendors. LukeSoft in Germany, Songbird Productions in the US, Telegains in the UK, and a brand new publisher as of July 10th, 2021, Yastuna Games in France. It's all in the links links in the show notes or at atarilinkshandicast.net. And finally, while you're on the website, do us a favor and please check out the Handy Shop, the online store that Monty and I run. We have scads of official Atari Lynx Handicast branded merchandise to appeal to the tastes of any Linkster. And any swag that you purchase will help Monty and me to offset the hosting and domain costs associated with the podcast. Just go to atarilinkshandicast.net slash handyshop and have fun browsing. On the next episode of the Handicast, I'll be covering one of the most highly regarded arcade games ever ported to the Atari Lynx, Ninja Gaiden. Are there any robots in that game? Uh, no, I don't think so, Monty. Sorry. Weeping. So, Linksters, if you would, please try to get your feedback into me for episode 20, Ninja Gaiden, as soon as you can. And for those of you who like to look ahead, future episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast that are waiting in line at the concession stand underneath the bleachers include episode 21, Robotron 2084, episode 22, Paperboy, episode 23, APB, episode 24, Rygar, and episode 25, Hard Driving. So, please, join me on the next episode, won't you? And until then, thank you all for supporting and listening to The Handicast. Please be sure to stop by The Handy Shop, and most importantly, keep, keep on, on linksing. Okay, Alvira, take us out of here. Leaving so soon? Thanks are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Apex, Bam, Disquiet, Hiatus, Hitting the Wall, Mount Fuji, and No One Around, all by BioUnit. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife Lizzie, She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. Nudge, nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, say no more. The Atari Lynx Handicast is a proud partner with AtariGamer.com. If you are looking for the latest Lynx news, interesting Lynx articles, a full list of Atari Lynx games, and a one-stop compendium of all things Atari Lynx, you can't do any better than visiting AtariGamer.com. Tell them Monty sent you. (laughs) 
The Atari Lynx Handycast is also a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbackreviews.com. Just click on the podcast's link in the top menu. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. In addition to Apple Podcasts, the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found everywhere that podcasts are sold, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. Be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handycast website. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can even purchase Handycast-themed merchandise such as mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags. They're all in the handy shop on the Handycast website at atarilinkshandycast.net. And also don't forget to visit the Handycast blog page at atarilinkshandycast.blogspot.com. Also, you can follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Plus, you can also follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search on both platforms for Lynx Handycast. And Reddit users can find the Handycast at reddit.com slash users slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast. Or you can provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. You can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilynxhandycast.net. Thank you for listening. This is Montague Habisham wishing you all a jolly good evening. Right? Fried crack corn and I don't care. Leela crack corn and still don't care. Fender crack corn and he is great. Take that, you stupid corn. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.